0: Driving gloves, were a combination of gearheads: John, the instigator; Derek, the conservative; Will, the builder; Sean, the racer, and maybe a guest. Invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Or subscribe to the podcast with no driving gloves. Time now for the ride. Hey, we're sitting here with a crowded house tonight for a change at no driving gloves. Uh, my little screen's got f- four faces on it, including uh, my ugly mug, I guess. Um, who do we have out there tonight?
1: The ball headed duo is here.
2: Well, well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's good to be back guys. It's been, um, it's been a few weeks. It's been a crazy Mm -hmm. ride, uh, trying to wrap up the TV show and just found out that, uh, got another car accepted into SEMA. So, that will be three that Big Oak will have there. And it's looking like three or four from the TV show. So, um, I could have possibly have eight cars at SEMA this year. So, that's getting um, a little hairy. Um,
0: are all your booths going to be next to each other? Or are you going to be in four corners of two different halls?
1: <laughs> as, as of right now, I've got one outside in front of the brand new Building, So I thought that was pretty cool is why I took that. Um, one in Ford's booth, one in Exalta's booth, which is right next to Ford. One in Hushmat's booth, which is not far from Exalta. Um, and then one from uh, one in the Blueprint booth, which is not far from Hushmat. So um, as of right now, four of them will actually be in Central Hall. So that's pretty good.
0: So that doesn't spread you that thin that way.
1: Mm-hmm. No, is, it's, is it's you re- we'll, we'll probably have one over in the four-wheel drive off-road section as well. So that one's kind of off in left field, but uh, most of them will be pretty centrally located. It's pretty lucky.
0: Um, so is the show wrapped up? Are you still got one or two more to finish? Or?
1: Yeah, we're not completely wrapped. Uh, we're slowing down a good bit. Uh, we've got a couple more to finish up, a couple more reveals to do. And uh, then it'll be time for you know post-production and get this thing on a big network.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, when are we gonna be able to see it? You've been we've been teasing it. I think we had Courtney on just about a year ago, if I remember right.
1: It's been going on a year, man. COVID it really really kicked us in the butt. You know I mean, just getting parts, and then you know, basically Atlanta was shut down, and it was. It's been a real struggle to get this thing finished up, but uh, we see the finish line, and uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really good, I think.
0: What's this COVID you speak of? I have I, I I have not heard of this.
1: Sounds like an excuse to me. If you hadn't heard of COVID, <laughs> then you need to go back in your damn cave, <laughs> please, man.
0: No, well, we're supposed to forget about it now. I mean, uh, CDC says as long as you're vaccinated, we don't need to wear masks. So
1: I'll be one hundred percent honest with you. The last two months at Big Oak has been terrible. Because of COVID, just I mean, we can't get anything in the door. We really hadn't felt the effects of it until the last couple of months, um, which it could be. We're trying to get too ready to go to the interior shop, and it's oh, all neat, neat stuff next day, um, and that that's that's been hurting us. But hey, at least we got plenty of work. We just move on to something else. The parts in.
0: Okay, should we just skip over Derek?
1: Yeah, sure. Hey, why not?
2: I don't. Know. <laughs> What you got? I never, go I never talk. Anyway, come on.
0: Have you done anything interesting? Yeah, you don't edit you.
2: <laughs> Ouch! Dang, man. See if I talk tonight. Do I have anything going on? No, John, nothing at all. Um, renovation of a restaurant at a museum. Uh, new exhibit opening up in a week. Uh, let's see getting, you know, I, and I, I love that. Will has so many cars going to SEMA and just bringing up that he has going, uh, cars going to SEMA because what I love is this week, I have had three concours, reach out to the museum and ask us to bring the cars correction, make that four. Uh, I just remembered one that came in today and I am, I am. Pumped about the fact that we are going to get back out and see all our you know old friends at all these events again, and I mean I'm looking at being at the Cincinnati Concour uh, at Alt Park. Uh, let's see, we're going to be at the Keeneland Concour in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, our guest tonight is going to know this uh, show because we will be at the Concour of America at um, Saint John at the Inn at Saint John. And, uh, we're also going to be doing the Chattanooga motor car festival again. So all those shows are back on and the Corvette museum is going to have a strong presence everywhere. And I think it's going to be a great year. I'm excited to get back out on the road and see people. And I, and I think that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about tonight as well, but I might as well just pump a little bit of the museum while I'm at it here. Cause you know, John likes to edit me so much, so you know, the the new restaurant is opening up, soft opening, really, this week and next week. We're going to be a do, doing a grand opening in June. Uh, we've got a couple more big feature pieces to get into the restaurant. But beyond that, it is live now. Look up the Stingray Grill on Facebook and all the social medias. You can find it on the Corvette Museum website. And uh, it's going to be a really, really cool place when it is fully operational and up and running. Got some really cool statement pieces in it that I've been working that, well, our team has been working with Tom Peters on. And uh, Tom Peters, of course, the uh, former chief designer of Corvette for many, many years. And I also have a little exhibit opening up called Corvette Powered. And uh, there's not a single Corvette in it but there's a lot of Corvette engines in it. We have, uh, some ESOs coming in. We got an ESO Grifo and an ESO Lele, and I've got a Bitsarini Strata coming in. And, uh, actually, um, we won't talk about one car we have coming in cause Will is mad at me. So we're just going to glaze right over that car. And, uh, we also have a, uh, one of the 1997 Malibu Corvette boats and a lot of other cool cars in the exhibit as well that, uh, I'm, I'm very happy to see coming in and have on exhibit for a year at the museum. So if you get a chance to get to the museum Memorial Day weekend until uh, the NCM Michelin bash of 2022, it's about a year from now, uh, we are going to have some amazing cars that all have Corvette engines in them. All right. I'm, I'm done with my uh, rant there, John.
0: Now, you were done about five minutes ago after we finish editing so
2: all right cool um,
0: so i'm glad you guys you know because i don't play too much in the car world anymore i just don't have time i'm beginning i've got something cooking in my head um and i may be reaching out to certain sponsors to see if they want to do this for me but we'll talk about that later but it would really dive me deep into the car world again but i'm glad Will's saying he's got cars going to sema and shows and getting cars ready to go out into the public and derek has got a uh, obviously a bucket of things to do and cars to get ready. Not, And he didn't even mention he's taken some of his cars to Concours. You know, his personal collection has been invited to a couple of events. So, you know, he, he's got that. And that's one reason, you know, I kind of made the joke to Will, what is this COVID? And I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad we've got it under control. We're not going to get into a COVID lecture. We're getting kind of this soft opening working our way back into it but man i think when late june rolls around july and big percentage of the population's vaccinated and i think the fear is set i mean even around the house here with four immune compromised people we're getting out into public a little bit more and having fun and and, you know doing things at least outside and that's why uh I'm glad to have this guest on tonight because he does some race. Um, I want to say, I don't know. I want to say gets involved a little bit into racing actually runs uh, is CEO of M one concours and Tim, Tim McGrain. Hopefully I said that right. I never pre check with the guests. I just me and the way I don't speak. Right. But um, Tim, did I get it right? And welcome to the show.
3: John, thank you. And yes, you did. You got it right. So well done.
0: It's nice when people from, you know, have, have names from the old world that are easy to pronounce, not like me from, you know, farther into Europe. So <laughs> you're with the with M1 Concorde and, you know, I've read some of the stuff that's been sent to me about you, and I don't like to read.
1: There was a last nice video there, John. You should have watched the video.
0: m1 concourse does a lot of things uh are you strictly on the show sides and we're going to get into the shows we're going to get into that but i want to kind of get your the feel of what you're doing with m1 concourse are you into the garage condos are you into any of the track stuff or is it all under your umbrella
3: um it it all falls under my umbrella so the m1 concourse facility and we're located in in pontiac michigan and Uh, We sit right on Woodward Avenue, uh, which is designated Michigan Highway 1. So that's where the M1 comes from. So we're an 87-acre property. Uh, We feature 250 privately owned garage condos. And we have a a one-and-a-half-mile track. And it's not a racetrack. It's a high-performance driving experience track. It was never designed for competition. Um, One-and-a-half miles, 11 turns. And, uh, you know, it, it's a unique facility. There there are a number of private tracks around the country, um, you know, some with or without either residences or garage condos. But, um, you know, we all do it slightly differently. But, uh, you know, we've got a unique property, um, you know, like I say, lo- located in Pontiac. So we're, we're right in, in Motor City or Motown.
0: I really like the idea. And excuse me and yell at me if I'm going to say something that's offensive here, but it's almost – the country club style racetrack and not only does it provide opportunities to for for those that can to exercise their cars in a safe environment and have fun and you know basically like golfing but with cars not quite top gear type golfing with cars but I think everybody gets the idea and I just had a conversation with somebody this this week, and we've talked about it on the shows. I think where you guys are at is leading into where uh, petrol-powered automobiles will eventually go, and that will be operated privately on designated closed courses. You know, as electric takes over and as self-driving takes over, it's not going to be in probably your lifetime. It's not going to be in my la- lifetime, but I guarantee you, my girlfriend's kids kids will start seeing that, fortunately or unfortunately. And I just think it's on the it's really, really cutting edge, if you think, in that.
3: Well, certainly. I mean, you, you certainly could take the analogy that we, we are, sort of that, that, that country club model. We've got a bit of a sort of a, a private identity and a public identity. The private part being, you know, the, the garage condos, which are individually owned. And, and then for those owners, uh, they have the opportunity to join our motorsports club, which then gives them you know, access to, to track time each month. Um, so where they can you know, exercise their cars, uh, our one and a half mile track was designed. So normally we run in a clockwise direction. Uh, but it can actually be run counterclockwise which is which is very unusual for for race circuits so it does give those those members the opportunity for sort of a different experience it's not just the sort of the same clockwise direction but our public identity is that you know we do conduct a number of events and, and have done you know up to 2019 um, like a lot of places around the country we, we've done the the cars and coffee events and and we were attracting 1500 cars, um, you know, last year, Or excuse me, in 2019. Um, but, but this year we've got four major events, two of which we're producing and and two of which, you know, other organizations are producing. We're very much involved with. Um, so that, that sort of gives us our our public, you know, public part of of what M1 concourse is all about.
0: I don't know which way I want to go. If I want to talk more about that or I'm going to talk more about you at this point of the, the um podcast uh we touched briefly Derek brought it up that you have sort of an accent that doesn't you omitted doesn't quite fit in anywhere anymore um you you obviously are not native to detroit are you
3: i am not i am a newly minted michigan resident so i have i moved out to the west coast i visited california in 1981 uh, relocated from Southeast England, I, I grew up in Kent, England. Uh, moved out there in 1982, and and uh, uh, for for all that time have have lived between either Southern and Northern California or Arizona. Um, so, assuming the CEO position at M1 Concor, you know, as of March of this year is uh, is first time. I visited Michigan many times, mostly for automotive reasons. Uh, but uh, yeah, now officially a, a Michigan resident and. Um, you know, we'll get to uh, experience Woodward Dream Cruise in person uh, for the first time. And, and to your earlier comment about, you know, will, will the demise of, of gasoline powered cars or you know, will they be relegated to, you know, private tracks? Um, you know, let's hope there's at least one place that, that they'll be allowed. It, it, it's Woodward
1: Avenue. Amen. To that.
0: I had other questions, but. You took on your new role just a couple of months ago. Uh, You've lived in California, and you've obviously lived in England. Have you ever visited Detroit in, say, November through March?
3: (laughs) Well, the answer is yes. I have been one of those many that have have visited the Detroit Auto Show in January, asking myself, what am I doing here? (laughs) Otherwise, it's been for what was formerly known as the Meadowbrook Concours. Um, you know, when when that was uh, down the Concours of America at a different location. But, you know, when I was with the Black Hawk Museum, you know, we exhibited at Meadowbrook many years. So I was here in the summertime. Um, and then for a number of years when Chrysler dominated sort of the, the sponsorship position of many of the the classic, you know, vintage car events around the country. Uh, we would all be back in Auburn Hills, um, you know, paying homage to to the people that provided the sponsorship for the events I was involved with.
0: Okay, I, and I was just wondering because I'm sure Derek can tell you a little bit about winter in Detroit. And there's one reason I don't think I'm moving north again, even though it still snows a little bit in Birmingham.
2: I was—I was, I was going to say, John, you got to be careful. I mean. Uh, Tim, you don't know this. I mean, you know I worked at Henry Ford Museum, I'm sure, but yeah. i uh i was I was born and raised just south of Saginaw, Michigan, a uh, oh. little farming town um and spent uh, really most of my life in Michigan until i I moved to Cleveland, Ohio, which is not a great upgrade from Michigan weather, just you know throwing that out there, Lake Erie is still one of the great lakes uh, and it wasn't really until a little over four years ago that I moved to Kentucky that I got away from. Uh, really, uh, truthfully, four seasons. It's like three and a half here. Um, But yeah, I still hold a very, uh, very special place in my heart for Michigan and uh, the Detroit, greater Detroit area, to to be honest. Um, I love downtown, love Woodward. And, uh, you know, I I love when I get to go back as well for event. Yeah. So, and John can't say
3: much because he grew up in the Chicago area. So,
0: Like I said, I ran (laughs) when
3: I had the chance. Well, we'd look at it this way. Look at it as an adventure. First of all, you know, Detroit's a great airport, and they've got four direct flights a day to to Arizona. So if you need to make a weekend trip, you know, that time of year to thaw out, then that's fine. um, Well, changing extremes. You know, last summer I was in Arizona, and it was 115 degrees for far too many days. So it's just one extreme to another.
2: Yeah.
0: Hundred and fifteen below. <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, those um, are the
2: good days.
0: You said Arizona. If I saw somewhere in your bio correctly, you worked for Barrett Jackson at some point. You mentioned the Blackhawk Collection, but you, you did you play spend some time out there with Craig?
3: Or I, I did um, actually. My first, I've been in Blackhawk twice, and and the first time I was with with Blackhawk, uh, we were very involved with Barrett Jackson, um, the president of the or the founder of the Blackhawk Collection, Don Williams. Um, had a long time relationship with with Tom Barrett, um, and then actually was probably the person instrumental in, in putting the Barretts and the Jacksons together. Uh, because in the early years they were actually doing separate auctions. Um, i was going
0: to say that was the early seventies. That was that's <laughs> going
3: back. So, um, so in in my early years, I, I was I knew Brian Jackson, uh, who unfortunately you know sort of passed away much too soon. Um, yes. but then I, uh, I I got approached. Um, to, to go and uh, become involved with the Barra Jackson auction. So I worked with Craig for, for four years. Um, you know, exciting times. It, w- it was early times, so early days of, of live television coverage of the auction. When we got there, we had three hours of live coverage, and this was back in the Speed Vision days. Um, and, and, you know, we were selling a high percentage of cars, but we weren't selling 100%. Um, but we, we... Say,
0: I remember those days. I in- interned with... Uh... Barrett-Jackson for a few weeks in the, the January auctions right around 98, 99, and 2000. Usually worked under Drew. So yeah, there know. we
3: go. Over so you, um, so we, we found out very quickly that you know if you, if you don't plan um, a car that potentially could sell on live TV for a world record auction only to find out you've gone to a dog food commercial, um, <laughs> you've, got to co- you've got to coordinate the time between live TV and the live auction uh, because neither of those wait for anybody. Yeah. Um,
0: but, uh, one of, one of the guys on the screen uh, kind of had that happen to him.
3: <laughs> yeah, with with that <laughs> car right there. <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, no, they were they were good times, and, and still have. You know, I'll I should quake, you know two or three times a year, and um, certainly have a a, a a lot of relationships. Um, you know, through my Barry Jackson years, and and uh, oh, they, they were they were good times and fun times, and uh, it, it's amazing. You know what that uh, what what Craig has done with with that event. I mean, it's uh um, you know it it, it it's it, it's something spectacular. You look at the the tented facility, um, you know I think from one end to the other, it's it's probably you know close to a mile, certainly you know pre COVID times, and uh, um, certainly an amazing event. And then obviously all the other events that have have grown up around uh, the Phoenix area and the Scottsdale area because of it.
0: Well, play back into the early '80s again. You said you went to California, was that a vacation the first time you traveled or was there an ulterior motive? I'm trying to figure out what what was the enticement that got you to come here from England and then stay for 40 years.
3: So uh, it, it was, it just finished college and a friend of mine, we decided we we're going to go on a three-week trip. Um, we were originally planning to go to Florida because our friends the year before had gone to Florida and at the last minute we, we decided to go to California and we had this this plan we went to Los Angeles and we were going to do the San Diego, Las Vegas, San Francisco back to Los Angeles sort of circle um you know we got we got such a good deal back in those days there was the probably the pioneer of of discount flights Freddie Laker so Laker mm-hmm. Airlines had this deal. you got for 119 pounds you got your return flight a rental car for 3 weeks and your first night hotel um what you don't look at is at what time the the you land in LAX, you know. So the landing fees at two o'clock in the morning are significantly less than during the daytime hours, you know. So you're on a flight, you land at two o'clock, and now you're trying to find your hotel in Inglewood in the early '80s. Um, so when we eventually got there, we um, got stopped by the police for making a, an illegal left turn. Um, so we, we decided let's just find somewhere quickly. Looked at a map, and Palm Springs just seemed to be a name that we'd heard before. So this is October. We headed out to Palm Springs, checked into a hotel. Um, and the first night we went out and we found this, this nightclub. We got there much too early, but we stayed um, and we met girls. So the whole three-week plan uh, went out the window. Uh, we stayed there for a, a week. We did a day trip to San Diego, uh, a day and a half trip up to San Francisco, of which I had to make a detour and stop by and, and see Laguna Seca because I'd read about that place when I was a kid in car magazines. And, my friend was not a car person, and he couldn't understand why we were going completely out of our way to see sort of a, an old racetrack. They um, went back to Palm Springs, but um, so that my point of reference was, you know, October in Palm Springs, and I'm going back to England in in October. Going, do I really want to do this, or do I want to go and and, and live in the states? So I got to the end of the year, and I had to either I, I give it a try, either get it out of my system, or see if it worked. And uh, it worked.
0: So we can blame it all on a couple of girls when it really comes down to.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it.
0: (laughs) I think, I think we all have that story and girl made me do it. And you said Laguna Seca and that's at some point you ended up working there too, didn't you? I
3: I did. I've, uh, I'd be very fortunate. It's sort of a a long relationship with, with that facility. Um, You know, first of all, again, as a kid reading about the events, um, but in the, Early eighties, I started in the classic car auction world with a company based in Los Angeles called Rick Cole Auctions. I know,
0: remember Rick Cole. Yeah, so and and Rick
3: was the first person to do an auction in Monterey. He he was a, an avid vintage racer. He raced at Steve Earle's uh, Monterey Historics, um, and was doing auctions in, predominantly in Southern California. Um, and the sports and race car world was, was 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 beginning to blossom. And and he went to Steve and said about doing an auction at the track. Um, and, and and Steve Blessing would, would have nothing to do with such a commercial enterprise. Um, so Rick found a venue downtown, and he did a single Friday night auction of 85 cars, um, basically going into the unknown, um, and, and did really well the first year. Um, and then that I started, so it was second. So I started working with him for the third year. Um, and then uh, 1988, we had... Um, the feature car was a Ferrari 250P, um, and it had it was coming up for sale in the month before uh, Enzo Ferrari had passed away. Um, and this 250P sold for, at the time, was probably the third or fourth highest car that sold at public auction. So it sort of put the auction on the map. Um, and then the second year, we were getting ready to do another you know, auction of, 80, of the Friday evening, and uh, another auction company was looking to do an auction. Uh, in town and they wanted to hire the same auctioneers and, and auctioneers being auctioneers will work for anybody for money. Um, but they came to us and said, well, why don't you do two nights auction and you can pay us? So that's how we ended up doing two nights in 1989. And, and we just had a barn burner of a sale. And and that put the radar screen on, on the Monterey Peninsula. And the, the following year, the uh, Christie's came in at Pebble Beach. Um, and then it's just, you know, it just grew from there.
0: So, you, you actually get got to experience when it was just vintage racing and there was none of the hoopla and the, you know, hundred thousands of people and, you know, the, the spectacle that I guess August has become out there.
3: Um, I did. Yeah. You know, I can remember you, you could get there on a Friday afternoon about six o'clock. You could leave on a Sunday afternoon about six o'clock. You could attend every event and, and probably have every meal sitting down and not miss anything. Um, Those days have long gone. Um, And believe me, I'm a a number one fan of of Pebble Beach and all things going up there. Uh, But it was because of my early days at Red Cold. I had a started relationship with Laguna Seca, um, obviously because of the the historics at that time. You know, you went to uh, the auction Friday night, the races on Saturday, the Concorde on Sunday, and and that was it. There was a few other small gatherings. Um, You know, so we did that, and I started – uh, again, started the relationship with the people at Laguna Seca. Um, you know, Rick in the early '90s actually started an IndyCar team um, with a chap from the racing world called Jim Hayhoe. Uh, an IndyCar was was predominantly featured at Laguna Seca at the time. Um, so then we worked closely with the, the marketing and PR people, a, a part of a part of you know Rick's IndyCar team, and and kept a relationship you know through the time that uh, Scott Atherton you know took over. And and ran it for many years and then Scott went on to work for Penske and then run American Le Mans series and IMSA Um, and then some you know subsequent people Uh, and then not too long ago you know I I got called to to see if you know I I would take the position of of CEO of Laguna Seca which I did there were some challenges going on down there and I, I certainly was very aware of them and um, I felt we could make a difference. You know, it's a legacy track, and and it is Laguna Seca. And if there's any worthy cause, it was getting that back on right. But um, the county had other other plans, and uh, so onward and upward.
0: I was going to say it had a few rough years there uh, with ownership in that, and I don't think they're out of it yet. Uh, it's been a been a little bit since I read an article, but. I, you know, I'm going to be honest, you know, I say a lot of times that uh, we, I think we all kind of say we were born a decade too late. And I think I was born a decade too late because one, I would have loved to experience the car scene the way you did in California. I like that intimacy. That's why I used to enjoy Amelia Island so much before it's become the massive event it, it has now grown into. And they're one of my favorite movies of all time. From 1955. So don't get the the name confused. It's called The Fast and the Furious. And it's about a guy that broke out of jail and he stumbles across the, it's like the first or second um, historic races in Monterey, you know, being 1955 or so. So you got a lot of footage. You know, they actually filmed the movie in conjunction with the racing and you got to see the people and the cars. Yeah. And there was a woman driving your Jaguar and that's, you know, the car he ended up with. And it's kind of a, a fun hey, John, movie. It's, it's nothing like the Paul John. Walker stuff, but
1: John, you got a fanboy down a minute. Okay. <laughs> a fan boy down. <laughs> but, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to pick
2: John up. It's, <laughs> it's a great movie. If you like the Pebble Beach John, historic side, you
1: know, you know what I really want to hear about? I want to hear about this Woodward dream show. That's what I want to hear about.
3: <laughs> uh, that's quite a segue. Pe- Pebble Beach races from the 50s to, to, to Win the dream show.
1: Sorry I had to butt in, but I really <laughs> want to know about this show. It's got me, like, really interested, and I'm sitting here going – Mm-hmm. Okay. John, man, I'm well,
3: let's talk about Woodward Dream Show. But I have seen that footage, and <clears throat> and and it is great. Obviously, somebody has a long association with Pebble Beach, and and certainly seeing that early footage is fun to watch. But so our Woodward Dream Show. So it was it was originally intended to do last, you know, to to launch last year, and obviously, like a lot of events, it didn't happen. So it, it, what the the show is, it's it's to complement Woodward Dream Cruise. I mean the Dream Cruise gets tens of thousands of cars and hundreds of thousands of people. Um, But what what we felt was that an opportunity because of where M1 Concourse is located um, and the facility that we have, that if we could put on an event where we could invite, um, you know, some of those legacy muscle cars and hot rods um, that you probably wouldn't see on the public roads these days, either because of their historical significance their value or, or just their owners say, you know, I just don't want to be out. You know, that car means too much to me. But they still want to share it with people. They don't want to cocoon it away. Um, so because we can create a controlled environment, you know, we're going to put the show on and and, and get about, you know, sort of 250, uh, again, significant, you know, custom cars, hot rods, uh, muscle cars, complement, you know, what Woodward is all about. We had a, a press conference early this week um, and we were fortunate to get, you know, two legacy cars from, from Woodward history. A, a friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Harold Sullivan, um, who's been a, a longtime Mopar collector, um, has a car called Silver Bullet 67 GTX uh, that uh, uh, was also generally referred to as the king of Woodward because, I, from what I understand, it was never beaten. Um, so, you know, he's going to bring his cars, some of his other Mopars out. And there's another car, 71, excuse me, 70 Challenger um that's that's referred to as the black ghost um and it was actually owned uh by a detroit police officer um but every weekend not every weekend but occasionally he would go out and and he ordered it with all the options i mean he checked off you know every power option you could have um so again for the 70s it probably could beat everything and it would come out it would beat people and then it would disappear for weeks And, and this sort of uh the 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 whole black ghost thing came about but it turned out he was a detroit police officer and he's been in the same family his son is son now has it uh, hasn't been restored it's untouched um and it's actually one of the historical uh vehicle association uh in, in the registry um but those are the type of cars that that we're looking to attract and again create an event for you know fans and spectators to to come and see and also the owners to share their cars
1: that that's awesome i love seeing historic cars that have a meaning especially to a specific area like that that's that's pretty kick-ass um but like in in my industry the the custom car world the hot rod industry you know is is that going to be accepted too so like a car that I've built that you know is a SEMA debut car or a Riddler car or something like that is that going to be accepted and be able to be there as well
3: Certainly, you can't do an event in Detroit and not accept a Riddler car. <laughs> I mean, that's a, um, no, absolutely, we're, we're going to have uh, certainly sort of unique cars. So we, we would absolutely look for you know for those special cars. Again, you know, cars that you're probably not going to see on the on the street, but but are certainly you know great cars. You know, whether they're they're historical or they're contemporary. Um, so you know, whether it's a um, you know, uh, America's most beautiful Roaster to win or a Riddler car or, or anything spectacular in between. Um, you know, I, I go to SEMA on a regular basis and, you know, some of the cars you see there are, are, are wonderful. When I was at Barra jackson you know, we were uh, we were able to you know, have some great cars across the block. So, um, again, we're going to put together a, u- a unique show. And ideally, it's the opportunity for cars to be shown um say that, that you wouldn't see on Woodward Avenue, but are very much part of what that Woodward Avenue culture is all about.
1: And I, I noticed one thing you said that y'all would be given awards. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I know there's seem to be there was several different classes. Um, and you know what are the awards going to be? How are you going to give them out? What are the different classes? Stuff like so that.
3: So as somebody that's been involved with events for many, many years and judged very few times, I, I, I'm gonna leave that to 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 the judging team. Uh, okay. Because in a six-car class, it's a quick way to make five people not like you at the end of the day. So, <laughs> so I leave the judging duties to to our judging team. But, you know, it's somewhat going to be selective. It's certainly not going to be sort of the, the concourse level. Um, but uh, you're certainly one that, you know, when the participants come, they, they're going to recognize, you know, either the car, its history, the craftsmanship,
1: or whatever. Nice. I'm sure Derek's got a few questions. That pretty well.
3: And, and and obviously, given that we're in Detroit and, you know, the number of car designers that are, you know, in this area, um, you know, we certainly have a, a number of those that are going to come and, and probably, you know, as part of a sort of a, a judging, uh, you know, team, you know, and they'll come up with some of their own uh, awards that they think are fitting.
1: Well, I, I've won awards all over the place. I mean, uh, grade eights in Detroit, and, but my – Favorite award that I've ever worn was, uh, was a General Motors Design Award at SEMA. So, you know, get get those designers involved and and get them to come out there and pick some hot rods. That'd be pretty cool. All
3: right, well, well done. So, Derek, you were doing some some uh, animation there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, just giving Will a hard time. You know, Mr. I've won some awards in my time. <laughs> No, but Will, I, I mean, and I, I think one of the coolest awards Will has won is the one he brought up with was uh, a GM design award for, for a Chevrolet pickup he did. And he did a killer job on the truck. And yeah, we well, Will,
3: look at look that. At That's that. a sweet one. Yeah. It's like
1: a, a, a um, 63 uh, vet. It's heavy. I don't yeah. want to it very much.
2: You know, I'm almost wondering if Tom didn't design that one. I got to ask him he's, he's in town tomorrow. I'll ask him tomorrow. Um, and, and Tim, I don't know if I know I've said Tom's name a few times. I'm sure, you know, Tom Peters or at least know of Tom Peters. I do know of him. Yes. yes. Uh, Tom, of course, retired, uh, chief designer for Corvette and Camaro, um, did a time in the truck studio, you know, running that, but, uh, Tom actually is, a uh, uh consulting curator at the museum. Now we actually brought him on staff and he comes down regularly and, and works with myself and my team on various renovation projects and and exhibits we're doing at the museum. So, um, he's, he's been a great asset since he started at the beginning of this year and a just all around great guy to, to get to know and, and chat with. And I'm sure he'll show up at events at, at the con, you know, at the M one, um, if, you know, if he's around because he loves it and he's got some great cars to show off. Um I mean, he's he's done some really cool things. Him and his wife both. So uh been paying attention to the M1 Concourse. Uh you know, kind of since the announcement, stuff like that. Of course, my ties back to Detroit. Uh, you know, with having been at Henry Ford Museum for eight and a half years. I was in the conservation department taking care of the transportation collections there. I'm almost certain you and I have probably met at some show somewhere along the way um, and just don't realize it. but um, I, I've been thrilled to see something like this coming into Detroit. Uh, one of the one of the coolest things I think Detroit has going is the revitalization efforts that are going on there. And I mean, I think to, you know, the, the way to revitalize Detroit is to play off that automotive heritage and, and everything that is automotive there and bring that, um, back to the forefront in Detroit. Cause it was lost for a while. It it, it just was. And so I think it's awesome that you guys are doing that. I'd love to hear, um, from you just kind of what, you know, your team and, and your folks there, um, you know, hope to do and and hope to kind of how you guys hope to be kind of help out in this idea of kind of revitalizing Detroit and bringing this automotive legacy even more um, into the forefront. Cause I'm sure that's on your, all of your team's mind and, and what you're doing there.
3: It is, you know, one, I've, I've sort of enjoyed automotive history, you know, sort of all of my career and even before that. So I've been very fortunate to be in the world that I've been in. Um, but, but being in this position uh, and being at a location, you know, firstly, you know, we're at a piece of property, its name is M1 Concourse, but, but generally it's referred to as the triangle and and it's got automotive heritage going back to, you know, the early 1900s. You know, I think the first vehicle that was built on the property about 1903 was the Rapid Motor Car Company. Um, and then obviously for many, many years, it was a sort of a GMC assembly plant. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of automotive history in the ground there, um, but as part of, of what we're doing is, you know, one of the things is, is sort of the events that we're doing. Again, the private side of our world is good, um, but our opportunity to, to just be involved with the car culture. So, you know, we're starting off in August. We have two back-to-back events. You know, the first event is put on by the Motor Trend Group, and they call it Roadkill Nights, um, and they've actually got permission to close down part of Woodward Avenue. Um, and along with the Dodge brand, they actually do drag racing on Woodward Avenue right in front of the Concorde facility. Uh, so obviously they take over a lot of our property. Um, and, you know, that 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 focuses on certainly sort of the, the heritage of, of of racing or stoplight racing on Woodward Avenue. The following weekend, we have, our as we talked about briefly, our, our Woodward Dream Show, which is the same uh, weekend as Woodward Dream Cruise. Um, and I think one of the things that M1 Concourse has done has brought more weighing us up to the Pontiac end of Woodward Avenue. I mean, for the longest time, you know, Pontiac with the, with the closing of a lot of the plants up there, you know, went through a time where I suspect, you know, people got to a certain point of Woodward Avenue and maybe turned around at Bloomfield Hills. And, and now we want to give them a reason to come all the way up and and, and do the loop and come back around or even stay up there. Um, and then in September, um, because of COVID and because the auto shows or any large event that was held inside was canceled. There was no Detroit Auto Show in last year. Um, and there was no Detroit, traditional Detroit Auto Show this year. Uh, but what we've been able to do is we've now become the host property of an event that's called Motor Bella. It's put on by the Detroit Auto Dealers Association who do the Detroit Auto Show. Um, it's going to be a transitional event for them. Um, so, you know, they're going to bring their manufactured displays and their tier one and tier two suppliers and going to create... You know what will be an auto show in Detroit for 2021, Um, but it allows also because of our track. They're going to use our track can be split into two. So part of the track will be part of the static display venue, uh, but on our our North Circuit, as we refer to it, it's going to allow them to do demonstration drives. You know, with uh, with OEMs. Um, So hopefully, you know, that will give them the opportunity for to bring you know some of the luxury brands you know back to a show because. There's certainly, I think, whether it was New York, Los Angeles, or Detroit, you know, some of the luxury brands um, were going off and doing their own thing because the, the, the traditional auto show platform was not something that was working for them. So that's exciting for us. And then following that, the next weekend, you know, we have our American Speed Festival, which is a new format event that we're doing. It's not a competitive race wheel to wheel, but it's going to be sort of time trials. So cars are going to go out. We've got six classes of cars. Um, You know, IndyCar, Can-Am, historic NASCAR, endurance cars. Uh, we got a feature class uh, because we're in Pontiac. Pontiac, I've told our team, whatever we do, we always have to have a Pontiac class. Um, And the cars are going to go out one at a time, either a time trial or for those maybe historic cars, they'll just do demonstration laps. Um, But it will give us the opportunity to get cars out on the track um, that, again, probably would, you know, not go out on a track if it was a competitive situation, either, again, because of their historical nature. Uh, One of the challenges when I was at Laguna Seca for our Monterey historic, that that each year as the values of the car increased, the owners were more and more reluctant for them to go out in a competitive environment, Um, even though it was, you know, supposed to be sort of gentleman racing, um, you know, competition is competition. So this is how we see this format. This year, uh, we have... uh, inaugural year, um, we have um, our, our, later, our master of motorsports honoree. It's going to be the, the, the legendary and the great Jim Hall of chaparral fame. So Jim's coming out. Um, at the moment, we've got uh, confirmation that the two of the cars, two of the great chaparral cars are going to come out from the Midland Museum. Um, and, and they'll actually be demonstrated on the track by his grandson. Um, so, you know, that's going to be, you know, part of this this new event that we're doing. But it's also the theme is, is past, present, and future. So we're also looking out for you know the the, the new hybrid cars, any of the supercars that, that we can you know cater to the, the, the generation that, that that appeals to now. Um, I think Derek, like you, I'm I'm passionate for pre-war cars, uh, but we also have to represent you know all the generational interests, you know, whether it is the turn of the century cars or or today's you know latest either hybrids, you know, or super exotic cars. So we, we've got a lot going on. And, and then another thing we're fortunate, just before our American Speed Festival event, you know, this year, uh, the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America, which is currently located down in Daytona Beach at the Speedway there, it used to be located in Detroit. It moved down there about seven years ago. Um, but they haven't been able to do their, their annual uh, post, you know uh, Hall of Fame dinners. So they'd heard about our event. They'd heard about our new event center. So on the Monday, they're going to do the 2020 inductee uh, gala. And on the Wednesday night, they're going to do the 2021 inductee gala. Um, and I understand on the, the Tuesday, both those groups are going to get together and, and have a, a reception at the Henry Ford with the new uh, Driven to Win exhibit.
2: That That is fantastic. Now, you brought up the fact that, you know, I think, you know, our our personal passions, it seems, line up with the uh, pre-war um, era. Any any hopes of uh, seeing something along the lines of the uh, uh, Goodwood revival ever happening at, at the M one Concours? Something something all early stuff, maybe like that. A great head to head of all the Bentleys that happened just recently.
3: Wow, well, that was wonderful. And, and and some of those things are things that only Goodwood can do. But it would be nice. And and I, I've got some you know, some friends and associates that, that uh, you know, take the early cars. I think, you know, we've got to establish the event first, um, you know, right at the moment, you know, for most people, it, it, it's a circuit that nobody's driven on, um, you know, from a point of view that would compete in an event like this. But, you know, our hope is that that we can, and then each year we'll come up with, with two or three themes, and we certainly want to get some of the early cars out there, you know, so they can do those laps. And uh, But Wood does it so great. That Bentley race was was spectacular. Um mm-hmm. and, and then they have the, the, the big Edwardian aero engine monsters which are which are wonderful to see driven, um, you know, which can be driven on the Goodwood circuit in anger, those big beasts.
2: As I say, it's a passion of mine. Obviously, I've been I've I've worked the spectrum of the automotive industry, I guess, yeah. on the on the museum side, because I've I've I mean I've been I've been fortunate enough to actually drive the seventeen seven the replica of the seventeen seventy. uh, that the surf family built down in Tampa Bay all the way up to, I mean, I, I have the chance to drive, you know, C8 Corvettes on track. Um, so I've, I've kind of spanned that, that entire entirety of the automotive, uh, history, you know, there's just to me something about, uh, driving the early cars. It's truly a driving experience. Um, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, teens, 20s, 30s era stuff, And there's, there's nothing like it. And and I love having friends get in it and, um, give them a ride, even in something like my 1919, I've got a Chevrolet 490 touring and, uh, scare the crap out of them because, I drive it like it's meant to be driven, and you know, even though you're going 45 mile an hour or whatever, but in an early car like that for somebody that doesn't ever ride in them, and you go into a turn at speed, uh, they get a little worried that something's going to happen. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of fun to, to scare what, them a little wrong. bit. And, yeah i mean you know narrow tires you slide a little bit around the turn and hey you're good um but yeah i mean it's just it's awesome you know uh, obviously we we mentioned that obviously the ncm has a motorsports park the national corvette museum motorsports park here in bowling green and you know we get the some of the scca stuff running and um, much like, uh, you know, you guys, we're, we're not a, um, you know, uh, full on spectator racetrack, uh, it's testing it's, um, you know, small series. I think the, the biggest series that we'd run here is the Optima battery series. That's actually televised, uh, but there's not spectators. So, you know, there's, there's always been some hope, uh, I guess in my heart that maybe in the future, yeah we could do some kind of event where we get a little more uh, um, you know across the board vehicles coming in and and doing even some demonstration laps you know we what i love is being able to take some of the cars from the museum over and uh, if if there's nothing going on on the track during the week you know on a, on a tuesday or something I can usually call the track and say, "Hey, we've got three cars that we need to run that we're taking to events this year," and they're like, "Yeah, come do laps." And yeah, you know, we get to go out and do it, and it's just it's awesome to, you know, I, I'm I'm a big and I, and I know you worked at the the Black Hawk, and I'm one of the the you know, uh, I was trained in objects conservation, obviously at Henry Ford, um, but I'm a big supporter of you know the fact that. Uh, You know, our collection vehicles need to be operated and, and, you know, not in the typical, well, you got to run a car or it's bad. Well, no, there's, there's ways to properly do it and properly maintain them and make sure they're safe. But it's all part of, in my opinion, as museums, we educate and, you know, the part of the educational experience and, and just the visceral experience of any machine is it operating and actually being able to show people, how those things ran and what they sounded like and the smell and the feel and just everything behind it. And I think that's one of the great things about these, you know, uh, tracks and and things that are popping up because, you know, as John said at the beginning and we've talked about it on the show someday in the future, it's probably going to be the only place these cars are seen running and, and being able to be heard and not on the road, uh, which is unfortunate, but, i I just think places like this are going to be just awesome for not only owners but also just people who want to see these cars run and understand what they you know what the meaning of these was back in the day and and what it is today so i i love to see stuff like this
3: yeah it is going to be interesting to see how you know as in, in the years to come you know how the um, I, I'm going to call it the car, the automobile. I, I, I hate to think we at one time we're going to refer to them as mobility devices. That would be a shame um, how they change. But, you know, I, I look at, you know, kids I know, and you, you put them in a car that's got, you know, wind up windows and three pedals and, and they go, what's all this?
2: <laughs> you know? um, the, uh, what is it? The millennial anti-theft device is a clutch. Isn't that what the, <laughs> the joke is? Yeah.
0: I was going to say he- just a plug because of the Barber Museum, but, but uh, if you didn't know that Lotus is going to have the Ajiva in uh, Utah in the be- beginning of September, so maybe you want to drive over to Lotus because I believe their head home, our North American offices are in Detroit now, see if they can bring that out to your event too since it's
1: mm.
0: very cutting-edge uh, electric supercar.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we, we – we... We have got a dialogue going with them about trying to do something. Yeah, I think they're located uh, in Plymouth.
0: I just thought I'd throw that out. But we've talked about the show. We've talked about what's going on there. I love the idea of the show because in one of the uh, bios I got about you or one-pagers, it talked about the event. You know, you go to Woodward Dream Cruise, you get to see the car for 10 or 15 seconds. You go to your event, it's going to be there not going to be able to hear it run but you're going to be able to see it and i i you know i'd rather look good than feel good i guess so i'd rather look at it than hear it run um can you tell me when when's your event going on because i believe it's in august and obviously august is a very hectic uh car month and how do you know where do we go to buy tickets or learn more about the event
3: so the dates of the event uh august the 19th through the 21st it's the woodward dream show so uh website address is, is woodwarddreamshow.com. Um or you can go to the to the M1 Concourse website and then there's a takes you a link from there. So again, August 19th through 20th.
0: Now, I warn you if you go to the M1 Concourse website, you'll start shopping garage condos.
3: Yes, you
2: <laughs> will. <laughs> this is why I'm avoiding the website. <laughs> well.
1: I'm only about an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes from Atlanta Motorsports Park, which is, you know, kind of a similar that's setup it. of what you guys have. And we we actually had uh, we done some filming out there last week, so that's a, that's a nice facility. When I was looking at uh, you got your guys' website, I was I was like, man, this you know, it's real similar to Atlanta.
3: So, so one of the things, Derek, one of the things we're, we're looking to do is this year, obviously, our American Speed Festival is going to honor Jim Hall and the chaparrales. And then for future years, you know, we're going to look at sort of, you know, milestone anniversaries, either in the, you know, the automotive space or different manufacturers. And uh, um, obviously, you know, Corvette had have have an anniversary coming up in, in a couple of years. And uh, um, we're, we're going to work on trying to do something, especially given that the, the very early Corvettes were actually produced in Flint, Michigan, um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to see. work on something with that.
2: Feel free to reach out to me at the Corvette yeah. Museum, and I will be happy to to be involved in some way. We've got some great examples of the cars.
3: I so will start planning ahead, um, and you know, each year again, coming up with a um, sort of a you know a, a theme or some type of anniversary to recognize, much like you know the other major events to do. Um, but again, just you know, in in our own way, because of the nature of the event. You know, we can, you know, potentially get cars, you know, to run uh, that you may see at a Concorde, but again, it's in a static environment or now you wouldn't see, they used to be on the racetrack, but they aren't anymore again, because, you know, people are concerned about the cars being damaged.
2: Well, you know, and uh, I mean, just a crazy idea here, but uh, a big event like that sounds like it might need a, a podcast to, to be, you know, live on site and, and, you know, do some, some podcasting from it i i i mean i don't know who might want to do that it's just an idea that i thought we'd throw out
3: Here we go we'll have a brand new event center at the end of the year i'm sure we could find a place there i was
0: gonna say i know a couple of podcasters in california i'll reach out to and see if they can oh <laughs> i want to say this has been a, a great conversation we got a lot about you in the beginning and. Obviously, we spent the last half of the show talking about your events. and you know i knew I knew will would jump onto this one just because the wor- you know Woodward was involved
2: well and and a and a show where hot rods are are you know highlighted and you know on show and and you know people can see them and and you know read about who built them. and you know, I mean, it maybe win an award from GM. oh, sorry.
1: Not uh, Winning customers, not winning awards. The awards are nice, but bringing new customers in the door, that's what it's all about.
0: I am not a hot rod guy. Will knows that. But what's cool about a hot rod show is there's not two cars identical. I mean, you can go to Pebble and you can see all 22, 23 Ferrari GTOs, and it's a billion dollars worth of cars, but they're all the same car. And it kind of to me always gets boring. um no offense, Derek. It's kind of like going to Bloomington Golds. You can only look at so many corvettes but, but going and seeing what people have built with individually with their creative minds and that that's that's the appeal of Street rods to me. Somebody who you know doesn't get them. I get them on that aspect, and your show sounds exciting. <laughs>
2: Hey, hey, wait, wait, wait a second. I I recently bought a hot rod or a, a custom car, so I mean it's the only one in the world. So you got to give me some props there, okay? No, I'm not going. to. It goes zero to sixty in a minute. <laughs> I was kind of thinking
0: it's got the same displacement as one cylinder. Yeah, but we we started the show picking on each other. Let's not. <laughs> finish tim's show with us doing that
2: (laughs) that's what this that's what this show is i'm surprised tim hasn't just gotten in on here
0: i'm in a t-shirt he's in a nice tie and very prim and proper and
2: yeah at least i have a i mean at least i have a you know proper button down (laughs) shirt on here i didn't wear the tie today but you know i do have one last question for tim um and and i i i did not read in your body i know you worked at Blackhawk. I don't, I didn't catch exactly what you did at Blackhawk in the times you were there. I may have glanced over it. I I was trying to read more about the M1 project and everything like that. Um, But because I always get asked it because I work in museums. I happened at Henry Ford. It happened at the Crawford and it happens at the Corvette museum. But what was your favorite car at the Blackhawk?
3: That that's always a challenge, isn't it? It's, it, it's like, yes. children. which one's your favorite one? You know, and and, and you can say, well, you know, the, the last one you took out that drove properly and, and which one do you, <laughs> you know, you don't like is the one that, that, that played up when it wasn't supposed to. Um, at at Blackhawk, and I, I had sort of two stints at Blackhawk. There's, there's two sides of Blackhawk. Uh, most recently, I was at the was the executive director of the Blackhawk Museum, um, you know, which has had some of the greatest cars, you know, come through there. Um, and then in the '90s, I was with the Blackhawk Collection, um, which is the company that, that Don Williams founded, uh, that, that deals in you know either pre-war classics or or one of a kind, um, you know, or, or sports and European cars from the '50s. Um, so I, I got very spoilt with the range of cars we had there. I, I would say, um, you know, probably the, the the one car that that you gravitated towards the most. Um, was the, the Hispano-Suiza tulip wood, um, you know, the 1924. I mean, just, uh, you know, a, a spectacular car, um, you know, built by sort of the Duboneta race in, in the Targa Floria. Um, but, it, but it looks stunning, and it's so striking because it's got that, that wood finish to it with the copper nails. Um, but there were so many other great cars. I mean, for, for one time, we had, you know, a Royale on display, um, you know, obviously the Henry Ford have got their park, It's is the park ward one that's at the Henry Ford. It? Um,
2: uh, no, the, the Weinberger Cabriolet. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I was, I was actually involved in the last, the last time it operated at Meadowbrook. I was myself and Malcolm Collum were the two that got it running. Okay. So
3: I, I've been, I've been, have been fortunate to sort of, uh, um, drive one and go for a ride in another one. But, um, but then we had the Alfa Romeo back cars, Um, for the longest time, and, and, and those, you know, as much as they're three cars, hopefully they'll, they'll never part company. Um, and it's just sheer styling exercise and and, an automotive masterpiece. I think, you know, they are, they are right up there. So
2: I had to, you know, Google it all and, and remind myself what all the cars looked like there. It's just, it's, it's such a stunning collection. I mean, it just fantastic.
3: Well, I mean, it's great, but I look at you know, the, the, you know, our tastes change. I mean, I, I look at you know, one of the things I think we all talk about is how how can we get you know younger generations into cars? Um, and I'm sure you know some people you know look at young kids and go, what do they like those for? I mean, I look at the cars that I liked when I was a kid, um, and it's certainly changed dramatically, and that's because of the the what you get exposed to. Um, you know, my, my early passion was, was custom car. We would go up to a part of London called Chelsea and and they would have, you know, the cruise along the King's road. A friend of mine had a, a a customized Ford popular. Um, and then other guys had, you know, Mack one Mustangs and things like that. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the custom car world was certainly early in my life along with the sort of the racing world, you know, living near uh, a racetrack where I'd go out most weekends.
0: I think we're right at that hour, Mark. And as I was saying earlier, it's been a fascinating conversation, um, uh, learning your past, learning your present, um, learn, I guess, and discussing the future. Uh, I've had a great time. Um, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll figure out, I'm pretty sure Will's going to try to figure out how to get up there,
1: <laughs> but we'll able to do it this year, but, um, We're finishing up a a 61 Impala that uh, is going to debut at SEMA. That's a pretty special build that uh, the owner is actually originally from the Detroit area. So that that's the car I'm thinking about for 2022. Um, I've never been to the Woodward dream cruise. It's, it's kind of a bucket list thing. So I might as well do it right the first time and, and be a part of the Woodward dream show and, and, enjoy those alcoholic beverages and gourmet burgers and and uh and everything else that y'all are going to provide for uh being a part of the show so that's that's uh that's what i'm thinking right there there
3: we go well i'll look out for you when i'm at semo at the end of the year
1: that'd be awesome uh look me up I'll, i'll probably be all over the place but uh maybe maybe we'll run across each other There we go
3: all right Gentlemen, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much for the opportunity. We always like to sort of uh, you know, tell the world about what we've got going at M1 Concourse. So thank you. And thank you. Oh, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening, and remember to look us up at nodrivinggloves.com. There you can find back episodes, links to products we recommend, and links to all of our social media. Be sure to tell a friend about us. No Driving Gloves is edited and produced by J. Lewis Productions. We'll oh